Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome in to another episode of the Sick Podcast with Draft Vogel. I'm Draft Vogel, John Vogel. You can follow me at Twitter at Draft Vogel or X, whatever you still call it. You can follow the show at Sick Pod NFL Draft. We got a little bit, we've been mixing things up here a little bit more. You know, now that we've got an idea what the draft's starting to look like, we're starting to shape up everything with the prospects. Justin Gamble joining me here in just a second. We got the past, we got past and present prospects to look at. We've got some overrated in the top 50 and a couple of some underrated players that should be in the top 50. Shane, back in the studio. Let's hit it. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Draft Vogel. With the first pick in the 2021 NFL Draft. The first pick in the 2022 NFL Draft. With the first pick in the 2023 NFL Draft. The sickest NFL Draft show. It's going to be sick. And yes, the sickest NFL Draft podcast show, bringing in Justin Gamble. Uh, Justin, who was late today? Who was very late today? It's okay, you're excused. Late, um, great, but yeah, <laughs> it's okay. We'll just we deal with it. It's okay. We deal with Justin. We have to remember that you are also a two-time appearance. Um, cold takes exposed. So that should say everything that we need to know about your scheduling abilities. Write, write that down. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> I love you, dude. It's okay. <laughs> uh, getting straight into this today. Actually, you can follow him at Gam Scout on Twitter X, whatever you're still calling it. I've seen people still, the, the Lombardi Award sent out all their semifinalists in an email today. It's still Twitter there. They haven't changed it. So I don't think it's really taken. Um, Still Twitter. Different today. episode as uh, that we normally have. Yeah, it's Twitter, everybody. Yeah. Different episode than we normally do. And I think we're gonna we're starting to hone down on some of these prospects. We you know, it's kind of funny before we get started, you know, Dane Brugler, day of recording this morning, dropped his top fifty board updated and had switched the quarterbacks. Uh Caleb Williams is no longer his top prospect, it's Drake May. And that's something we've been talking about on the show that there's going to be a lot of NFL teams that are going to think the same way. And so maybe some of these narratives that we've pushed, we talked a lot about when we had Mark Jarvis on, which he will be back on soon. I'm absolutely certain of that. Um, you know, just narratives, different biases that people have, all that different stuff that comes into it. That's what we're starting to see. Some of these things that we've been talking about for a while, it's leaking out. Other people are picking up on it. Dane's a guy that's very well connected with the NFL. He's hearing from a lot of different scouts. He's making a lot of his opinions based on what he's hearing. So clearly there's a it's it's not set in stone that Caleb Williams is the top quarterback in this in this draft. Not at all. We've been saying it for since last season ended, probably. Um yeah, like it, we were waiting we were waiting on the week when it happened too. We were like at some point 
Some some big analyst is going to do it, and that's going to switch the whole narrative. And and the crazy thing is, you see people like on Twitter now too, like "Ooh, Caleb was overrated the whole time." Blah blah blah. You know, and it's starting to turn though, where it's like that. It's we're hitting that point in the cycle that we do every year, where there's that overcompensation where he was so good for so long, and now everyone is you know a lot of people, probably a lot of just casual fans, but a lot of people that have voices are making that switch, and we're gonna have to. Probably at some point, rein it back in and fight back against the whole. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, like that big, it's that pendulum, man, that just goes completely the other way. And now you're like, no, 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 no. He might have not been the greatest prospect of all time, but he's still a top two, three player in the drafts. But yeah, finally happy. And uh, Dane Brugler's top 50 is a, I mean, all that, everything that dude writes and puts out is great. So it's good to just have that starting point of like, oh, here's, you know, a guy we all respect, I believe, you know, his top 50. And, we can kind of compare it to ours and kind of start going from there and just see the order of things. And yeah, this is a good time of year, man. Yeah. I think if you don't respect Dane Brugler, you don't have access to the athletic and you don't see the beast that gets put out every year. That's literally what it's called. His draft guide is called the beast and it's 2000 prospects deep. So, I mean, like you, it doesn't get any better than Dane. Honestly, uh, that guy is really good at what he does. He puts a lot of work in. That's what we all aspire to be as draft analysts in media, Dane Brugler. Or Daniel Jeremiah, I guess. Daniel's another one that's up there. I don't think there's a lot of people that hate Daniel. So, no, nah, he keeps it real. You know what I mean? So, he does. He's, he's, he's a great dude. Yeah. Yeah. He's very, very honest. always, it's, it's not good. just honest, but when you sit down, when you actually you watch, see him in an event, you can just walk up to him and start a conversation and he's great. Right. right. Whether he he's knows not. who you are or not, like he's yeah. great. Not a larger than life type guy. He, he respects the, the hustle and everything we do here and, you know, like the industry as itself. And that's great. So you want to start off things with some past and present prospects. I'm leaving this one completely up to you. So don't disappoint me, son. (laughs) Well, this is what I do. You know, we talk about this when we text and when we call each other and like, we'll bring up a prospect and say, oh, this guy's a top 10 player. And we're like, all right, well, who's he compared to, you know, in this, like in, in the past classes or what's he like? And then we're like, oh, we're comparing him to a bunch of third rounders. Like, is he, you know, is he the guy we are pretending he's in this class. And I think it's like a good litmus test. Um, and like this year, we talked about Jerzon Newton, the defensive tackle from Illinois. We talked about him last week. Mm-hmm. We might've talked about him before, but he's kind of an outlier. You know, he's short. Well, he's only he's 62. That's not terrible for a three technique. He's closer. He's closer to six one. Probably. Yeah. Right. And then he has short arms. He's just, he lacks a lot of like the desired things we look for when we think of like, Ooh, a top 10, top 15 defensive tackle. So I ran a Twitter poll and Twitter X, whatever I asked, you know, cause last year we saw Kalija Kansi out of Pittsburgh go 15th or 16th or something to the Tampa Bay yeah, Buccaneers. I think 18. Yeah. 18, 18? sounds right. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was like, uh, so I was just curious cause he was, you know, he was six feet. He had short arms, but to go that high, must've, you know, he had a pretty special tape and he did. He had strong hands. game record tape. Game record tape. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let me oh, see. he was a first round guy to me. I didn't care about the measurables on him. I was like, right. Put him, make him a gap shooter and you're good. Right. He might've needed to, to be a little protected. I think it was hard. The, the problem I had with Kalaja Kansi was how do you project him on base downs? How do you say, you know, first and 10 start of the game, where do we put him? Because you put him at three chances are he's getting blown up unless, you know, you're really in a scheme that says, get upfield, get after the quarterback. And even then, you know, you can expose those guys in a lot of different ways. So that was my issue with him. But 
the NFL is a passing league for the most part. And, you know, at the end of the day, you're looking for guys that can get after the passer. So I ran the Twitter poll. I said, who was a better prospect? Uh, Kalaja Kansi from last year or Jerzon Newton? You want to guess? Any, uh, any I'm going to say 70% said Newton and 30% said Kansi. Close. So Twitter came away with Newton 66%, Kansi 34%. Okay. I don't know if I agree. I think there's some recency bias here. I think every year I do these polls, and it feels like the guy who is the most recent always gets more votes. Um, I don't know how you feel. I had Cancy, I think, and I had a, a you know a few people on Twitter comment like one guy that I respect, Stan. I think he goes by Stan the Man on Twitter, but he said Cancy gives you a little more oomph. You know, he had, and I think he's right. He, had, I think he means he had stronger hands. He kind of gave you a little more violence and a little more jolt. You just felt his wins more. Where when Newton wins, we talked about this. It's almost like you don't even notice he won, and you know, all of a sudden he's in the backfield. Yeah, yeah, and you're like, I don't think that's a bad thing. I really don't. But you also can noticeably tell on tape when he's asked to really head up on somebody. Like, ah, there's not a lot behind those hands. He's he's really winning being a slippery slither guy. So, um, yeah, like I said, the the poll said Newton won. I don't know how I really feel about this because these are really two out. These are going to be two outliers that are both going to end up first round picks. Um, and I'm curious to see really where Newton goes in the in this class because I think in Dane's first top fifty, he had him outside his top fifteen, I believe. Interesting, because we were talking about yeah. him top just outside our top ten. Yeah, so Dane had him in, in the uh, number twenty one overall in his top. Interesting. 50. One thing I will say about this class when I've really started to buckle down and get into it, it's like 20 players deep, and then I think it really drops off. I don't think this is that deep of a class. This is a real top-heavy, top, you know, top 15 looks really good, and then there's potential for it to just kind of fall off. And there's going to be a lot of guys we see drafted in the back half of the first round this year that probably in a lot of classes were like, that's eh, a day two player. Uh, I could be wrong. It could just be early, but that's the way it looks to me right now. I agree. I I. When I was looking at first round guys, there were only twelve or, or really fifteen that came up for me personally. Um, the one thing I'm going to say about Cansey is when you've got a, a guy that can penetrate gaps like Cansey can, and I think every pit game you put him on, he's game wrecking, he's making an impact. It's very rare when you put on a pit tape and you don't mean, you don't notice Cansey. You need really great linebackers to be able to clean up his mistakes. And where does he go? Tampa Bay. Who do they have at linebacker? Oh, Levante David and Devin White. Two great linebackers to clean That'll up mistakes. Okay. So in that in Kansi's case, that's probably you know, when we talked about, you know, with Jarvis on here and talked about all the you know, like, well, if you put Kansi on another team, is he a first round pick? There's not a lot of teams that have that kind of depth and that ability at linebacker. Uh he might not be a guy that many other people had as a first round pick. And Tampa just felt comfortable taking them there because of where they were in the situation and how the board felt. Right. Um, and he's a great fit for them. I think that's that's perfect. When you look at Newton, it's not the same, you know, because like you said, he I think he's more he can penetrate gaps, but he, he's gonna play two way, right? Now when he's head up, he struggles, which is one of the things that is clear about a two way. You know, you gotta be able to play head up on people. But if you, but he can do it, and again, you kind of need some linebackers to help him out when he makes a mistake, which 
Illinois has a couple that are pretty good, Tariq Barnes in particular. Um, and they play sort of like a 3-5 anyways, like or a 3-4 is what I should say, five-man, you know, two rush edges, and they'll move him around. Sometimes yeah. they'll play the one. I was just looking at him last night against uh, Penn State. Uh, okay. So, because I, I downloaded, dude, I, I downloaded like 10 games of all 22. <laughs> it's because... <laughs> Where I live, the internet's not great, so I can't like get on the internet and watch it. So I download the game so I can go home when I don't have great internet and watch it. Yeah. Well, the nice thing too is I like the Apple playback thing. It's when you got the trackpad, you can like fast forward and rewind with swipes. And it's oh, you're all set up. Yeah. I'm all. Oh, it's beautiful. I almost (laughs) prefer watching tape downloaded because I get to use Apple Play. But anyways, um, what I'm saying though is is they're similar players in the sense that what you need behind them is about the same. Yeah. But they win different ways and they're, and they're different players because Kansi's a gap penetrator. Whereas, you know, I think that you look at, at Newton and he's balanced. So yeah, I think that's why, I think that's why the poll would say, would put Newton ahead of Kansi because, you know, if you've got an evaluator, that's, he likes two gap guys, he's going to like Newton better than he likes Kansi. You get like guys that like them balanced. They're gonna like Newton better than Cansey, but you like gap penetrators, Cansey, all the way. Yeah, I think Newton is more of like a one-on-one winner, where Cansey can really affect a scheme in a different way than Newton can. Yeah, but, yeah, and, yeah, and, and I, you don't and you don't see him particular. He can hold double teams, but he's not particularly dominant when he's in a double team. Yeah, I think he struggles Newton, to dispose to dispose of them, and that's where we get into the hand strength and the kind of the upper body power, and it's it's lacking. Yeah. It's not his strength on tape. And for people that'll say like, "Well, Newton's a top ten player," like you know, Jalen Carter went what nine last year? <laughs> well, like, that was for other so, reasons. <laughs> exactly. But but either way, like because that's the argument a lot of people bring up. Well, look at their draft spot. Look where they both went. Like. Okay, that doesn't that, but that's a good litmus test, right? Like Jalen Carter was the top guy last year. A lot of people are going to say, all right, we'll argue this top guy versus last year's top guy. That's how to say, like, well, all right, this guy's elite. This guy is not even close to this guy. So he's probably not elite, good player, but there's that big gap. So now we have to think, all right, well, what really is Newton? How far is he going to slide? But, you know, just, yeah, that's fair. Thing. Yeah, it's just one of those things that I do to test myself and kind of make sure I stay in check because sometimes I get too high on guys. And uh, we've, talked about that. we've talked get about too, that. We've talked about too high on guys. Hey, remember Taven, Taven Bryan. I mean, anytime <laughs> I study any defensive tackle these days, I'm like, ah, Taven Bryan. I remember how much I loved him. Like, don't get carried away just because you like the style or some of those highlights. Um, you know, but whatever. Uh, you want me to go? I got, I got another one. Yeah, send it. That, uh, so we talked about. Uh, I think we talked about him a few weeks ago. Chop Robinson from Penn State. Okay. Uh, I don't know if he's playing this week. He got hurt last week against Ohio State. Got kind of carried off the field. I don't know what his status. I don't think is. he. I don't think he played against Indiana either. So. Oh yeah, that was so yeah. that's two weeks ago. Oh, my weeks are all messed up. Anyway, so your Steve days Lester. and your weeks. Congrats. Yeah, days and my weeks. Thanks for bringing that up, pal. <laughs> I deserve it. Uh, so Chop Robinson time speed rusher like that first step is elite um violent i think he's a violent guy he's got he's got some good flexibility like you see some reps where you think oh this is a top five player and um then you know the stretches of games where i you know where is he could be he he could be in another country and it'd be the same result you're like i don't know where he you know where he's even at and we think i think that was a lot of 
uh, Will McDonald last year from Iowa State. He went in the first round to the Jets. Really undersized guy, senior bowl player, and that's where he kind of blossomed. Built like a tall safety, basically. I mean, he was, what, he's like 6'5", 235. Mm -hmm. But so, so flexible. So, so bendy. Uh, Great get-off. But there was only so many ways he could really affect the play just because of his weight. And they also used him in like a horrible three-down front at Iowa State and didn't let him do anything that he was good at. But I think they're similar prospects. And I think even in Dane's, Dane Brugler's top 50 or something, he mentioned how Chop Robinson is a better prospect than Wood McDonald last year, but they're similar. And so I wanted to see if you what you felt about that, because I think you've, you've watched a good amount of Chop, and I think you liked Will last year. He was a senior bowl guy, you know, and uh, you follow I, us. I came, I came on to Will McDonald late later in the process because I, I knew that he was on Bruce Feldman's freak list, and Matt Campbell said that he could jump you know, from standing over a car and Kobe, <laughs> you'd seen him do it apparently too. Yeah. And, and, you know, you didn't see that type of athletic ability on tape, but again, it went back to, yeah, he's playing three tech and he's not being put in that wide situation. The jets drafted him and said, Hey, you see that shit that you were doing back at Iowa state. You're not doing that. Never next again. Level. Yeah. Never again. Yeah. You're, you're a straight up edge rusher. And yeah. so, you know, I'll bring up another guy that's similar to both of these guys. And I think he was a second round pick a few years ago, but Gregory Rousseau, where elite Bendy just didn't have the weight um, to to win in some of those power situations, especially when you're dealing with, you know, a more elite tackle that has better strength. And so I think uh, I don't know if he I don't know if I would say Chop's a better prospect than Will McDonald. Um, I thought Will was probably a second round guy personally okay and he ended up going what 11th overall i think so actually yeah and and rousseau i thought when he came out that year he was closer to a first round guy and he ended up going in the back end of the second so so rousseau was six seven two sixty five at the combine i think he just looked he wasn't he wasn't that big though yeah that was seven he was he was playing at miami at 240 okay and then he went thirtieth so, overall. He went thirtieth overall to the Bills. Oh, okay. I thought he was back in second, so I'm back around first cent. So I remember he went right before like uh, Joe Tryon to the Bucks or something. Like there was a bunch of edge rushers got yeah. In Tryon, yeah. that's right. I remember that. Tryon, good player. Anyway, was a good player. Washington. Um, yes. yes. <laughs> so no. So I guess yeah. First round makes sense. I don't know about eleventh overall. Yeah. Just because there are those stretches of games where he's. He's, he's nowhere to be found and they're not playing him three tech at Penn state. So that's a little bit more. It, you can't say, sit there and go, Oh, you're being misused. You're right. playing five. You're playing wide nine. You're doing all that stuff. Right. And there's games there. You're gone. Uh, run defending. I give it to Will McDonald. I don't know if he's a better prospect. I might disagree with Dane there a little bit, but they're, they are similar. So I'd say 20 top I edge, think- right there on the edge of top 20. I think that Will McDonald's ceiling, I, for me, I think it's higher because I think that length and that flexibility and like the get off at that size, I think he could evolve into uh, maybe not straight up Brian Burns, but someone of long that count. Like if he really puts it all together, you're going to get an absolute, you know, lanky athletic freak. 
And I think, and he had he had counter moves. I mean, he had nimble feet. I think there's just a lot more about Will McDonald's game that could come about. I think with Chop, you're probably asking it. You're you're hoping he can become Cameron Wake, Bryce Huff, someone that kind of has that maybe a little shorter frame, but it's going to be a real like his speed is what's going to be his thing. Like that twitch is what's going to be his. I guess Trump card. Yeah, because I don't, I don't know what he's going to commit at measurable wise. You might have a better idea on that. Yeah, I'm pulling idea. him up right now. I got him at six, just shy of six three two fifty three. So he's a little bigger than I thought. Those Penn State uniforms make those guys look <laughs> trim worse. <laughs> yeah, they just look different, man. Even Mike. I yeah, no, they got it, they got him at like, two. They, they got him at two fifty three, okay. and you know, so that's that's a little bit closer to my Rousseau, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe not as tall. No. But he has that same sort of lanky, long look to him. Interesting. Interesting. So, but in, in Russo's case, I think you drafted him knowing that he's not going to become a, a real impact until probably the end of year two, beginning of year three. That's what we've seen. That's where he's yeah. really started to blossom. He started to be that um, guy. I think with McDonald, you're kind of expecting him to almost not redshirt this year, but he's not going to be where he's at till next year. And if you take Chop. I think you're expecting the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, it, it, it's a it's a it's a guy that you expect to blossom late, not come in and be your yeah, probably not even your one or two, yeah, not even your one or two. He's gonna be another guy that takes a bit. So, but interesting. I mean, it's it's interesting because this class has a lot of edge rushers. Now that's one of the few positions it's probably deep at, but I don't know if any like I love so far other than maybe Dallas Turner, right. Um, but there's another edge rusher I was going to bring up, and that's funny. We just talked about him last week, and then we talked about his comparison this week, and it's Leatu Latu mm-hmm. from UCLA. Uh, he retired at Washington with a neck injury. Then he transfers to UCLA. They clear him. Really the Jalen Phillips career arc, except he ends up at UCLA. Jalen whenever left UCLA from Miami. But Leatu Latu, uh, 6'5", 265, redshirt senior, so he's got to come out this year. I was probably thinking. probably probably closer to six four, and I think he's got another year of eligibility because the one I year was ask, I don't yeah. yeah he did he never took a red shirt he opted out of twenty twenty to COVID and then had the retirement as well, gotcha. so that would technically be his red shirt. So I think he's got one more year of eligibility. Interesting. I mean, yep. he's having a hot year. I would imagine he comes out because this yeah. year he's gonna he's been unblockable. He's been an absolute highlight reel each week. So yeah, yeah absolutely. But, I was, he comes but I'm looking at him and, and Dane has him at nine overall. Okay. And I'm thinking, okay, sure. He, but six, four, like you said, probably is what he's going to come in at. Uh, average get off. I don't think he's a very lengthy guy, um, but like wins, just wins nonstop. Just you never, like he's unblockable. And he does it. And like some of his reps don't even look great. He just straight up hand fights and, he didn't have to bend. He didn't have to flatten. He didn't even have to use closing speed. He's just beating people. I compare him. I don't compare him, but I'm, I I want to know, is he a better prospect than Joe Tryon was at Washington? Because Tryon was a late riser in the process. Mm-hmm. Late riser. I don't think a lot of people had him in the first round um, up until you know kind of the end of the process. But I forget what he came in. At. I think it was 6'5", something. Long arms, though. Um, but kind of the opposite of Latu at Washington. He was a raw prospect as far as there wasn't a lot in his arsenal. Um, He kind of just won off being an athlete and being long and strong. And so it kind of brings up that argument of, do you take the guy that has athletic traits 
that looks great coming off the bus? Or do you take a guy that doesn't necessarily have those same athletic traits, but he's a much more polished player and a true pro already at this stage of his career, like Latu? Technical fighter would be a really good term. That's how he wins tech through yes. through technique. Yeah. Um I don't know if he's a better prospect than Tri- than than Tryon was, which is crazy so, to say. I know. So let's see. Tryon went see yeah, thirty first. Thirty first or thirty second. Okay. Yes, yeah, it, it was one or the other. I think it probably thirty second because if he went to Tampa, that was the year they won the Super Bowl, so they would have been picking there. Yeah. Um. I don't know, man, because in this class he's going to go before Tryon. That was a much better class that year. Yep. Um. But I don't know if he's a better prospect than him, and it, it's. Yeah, he's got he's got the athletic ability. He's got some power. Really nice frame. Maybe I don't think the length is as much of a concern. I think the reason that he looks like he isn't as lengthy is because he doesn't bend as well, and because he wins technically. And typically, when you're when you're smaller, that's how you have to win. I don't, you know, because I got this picture on on my, you know, in my draft guide, and you I know, you're he's like running. No, thank God. He's running and he's chasing this quarterback down. Yeah. And I mean, his arms look pretty long. Really? You know, like, yeah, they look like they're almost down to his, his, looks like his hands are almost down to his knees. So I think with him, it's just more of, you don't normally see guys with his length win technically. You know what I'm saying? They usually use their length. They're really good at it. And he's more of a technical guy. I think when you look at that as a coach, you're going to say, hey, I, he's got this length. Who knows where he comes in at? We, we don't really know until we, we yeah. see what he measures in at. But I think you're looking at a guy going, if he, we can teach him how to use his length and we can get him using it, now he can win with length and technical skill. And he's got the speed. And that's why he would be a ninth overall prospect in this class. Because there's, we talked about it a little bit last week. I think Jared Burst is the best prospect, but Dallas Turner's there. Latu's there. And then, you know, you just brought up Chop Robinson. So there's not a really clear, defined number one guy yet. Yeah. No, not yet. And I think this is one of those classes where I think for a lot of positions, it's going to come down to testing. And I hate when that happens because then you're just like, you can't commit (laughs) to anything before. But this is that year where it's like we have so many guys in a lot of position groups that are so tightly clumped together. Um, Even at quarterback, it's like uh, after the top two, like I saw your rankings the other day and then I see Dane's rankings today and I see what I have for like my quarterback three through seven. And I'm like, Oh shit, we are. None of us are close. None of us are like having the same, not even the same, not even like we have the same guys, but they're out of order. We just have different players. Yeah. So like it's going to be that, that year where it's like, Oh, a lot of different. Cause I know he didn't, I heard he didn't have Phoenix or Knicks in his top 50. Neither. And I don't either. I have P- I have Penix, but I don't have Knicks. And uh, I've seen some people have Michael Pratt, the Tulane quarterback, in there. Um, I, I've had him at five, yeah. Some people, I, yeah, that was you. Some people have Rattler up there. Um, so it's just, it's going to be a lot of interpretation of like, you know, and I don't know, this could be one of those classes too where only the top two end up good and we all just, you know, talk shit to each other for three months about guys that didn't end up being <laughs> relevant. You know what I mean? So and that that's happened before. I, what was it? Like the 2013 class. I think it was the Geno Smith class. I forget who Geno Smith, EJ Manuel. <laughs> EJ, EJ Manuel Smith. went 16th overall. <laughs> like Ryan Nassib. <laughs> and I remember 
you know, watching NFL.com and they're debating all these quarterbacks five years later, like none of them are even kind of good. And now Gino's revived his career, but I'm like, dude, they, they waste. He's like the lone quarterback from that, that class still playing. Yeah. 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 And they're wasting hours of airtime and manpower just talking about dudes who aren't worth a damn, you know? Hey, it ain't just them. I, I guarantee you war rims did too. <laughs> oh, exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's like, that's what we could see, but that's, that's the thing. And so, um, yeah, man, th- this edge class, you're going to have Dallas Turner and chop who are speedy athletic dudes who we already know they're going to test super well. Then you got guys like law Two that might not test good, but man, that tape is game changing. And you got Jared verse who had a great 22 season. And now this year he's not really been productive, but he's kind of the same dude. And he just looks like it's just not, he's not coming down with the sacks and stuff, but like, well, I like really the argue. guy. I like the guys playing on the other side, Patrick Payton too at Florida state. Okay. I have not studied Florida state. Uh, only a few guys so far. Like I haven't really dug into them yet. Well, Peyton, Patrick Peyton's not really top. I don't know if he's a top 50 guy. Okay. <clears throat> he's kind of in that undersized right now. Probably doesn't even come out this year, but he's a guy that he can play too. He can play too. Good to know. You got and so eye. I think most of the attention has been going to verse this year. In fact, let me pull that up. Let me see if I can't get it. Actually, Shane, uh, back there in the studio, would you pull up the Florida state stats this year? Uh, I think you do it on ESPN and pull up the defensive stats. And when you get those pulled up, come in there and tell us because I think Thanks, producer Shane. I wonder if Patrick Payton is like leading the Patrick. team in sacks because Jared versus taking a lot of double teams. That's why he hasn't been productive this year. He gets a lot of the attention. Yeah, As he should. He, yeah. 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 He's, he's a game. <laughs> and you know, like when I had that conversation with, um, Jermaine Johnson a couple of years ago at the combine. Hey, what's the difference between playing at Georgia and Florida State? You know, he straight up told me, he said, it's be, you got five-star guys sitting behind you at Georgia. You got five stars yeah. playing ahead of you. You go to Florida State, there's nobody behind you. And yeah, so like no, that, no, that's, that that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of the, the, the key here is, you know, uh, and at that level, there's not another edge rusher in the ACC in my opinion, that's anywhere near close to verse. So he's going to take all the attention naturally. I'm trying to think if I can think of any, like Clemson has some dudes, but no one that I'd say is a first round prospect, which is unusual. Like Clemson should have first round guys coming out every year. And they, I mean, they have had a decent amount of corners and line. We've had linebacker, but like, let's see, Christian Wilkins, Dexter Lawrence. It's just, it seems like they should get more edge guys, you know? Um, they, I guess they have Xavier Thomas who will come out this year. Is that right? Yeah, he's out. He's out of eligibility. Yeah, he has um, to come out. But he's more of a he's more of a day, late day two, early day three guy. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing is, so he. Doesn't I don't know. Do Let me. Cool. I don't think I have a first round Clemson player right now. Come to think of it, like a clear straight up first round guy. I think Nate Wiggins, the corner, is the only one I can think of. Maybe Sheridan Jones, the other corner. Um, See, I don't. I don't even think that they're first round. I got him a second, third. I, um, I don't either. I'm just saying those are. That's what I've seen. Makuba could potentially be first round. I don't know if I like him as much though as the other safety, like- Jalen Phillips. <clears throat> and then uh, Rue, Ojuka Rororo. Yeah, Aroro. He's a a horror Rohoho, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, Shane, come on in here, man. So good day, gentlemen. How are you doing, Shane? Back there in good the studio. Shane. You know what? I'm pretty good. There was snow this morning, though, which kind of dimmed on the mood. But 
it's gone now, so I'm happier. That's Canada. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> Tennessee, we, we don't have snow. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. So you got those stats pulled up, though? Um, yeah, what do you want to know? The sack stats. So who's leading Florida State in sacks right now? For you. Yeah, it should be on the defense toward the bottom. Defense is usually toward the bottom. And you might have to yeah, hit the sacks. Jared Verse averaging 4.5. And then, um, well, he's got four and a half on the year. Who's behind him? Kalen Deloke. I don't know if I Deloke, that. the linebacker. Ooh, yeah. the linebacker. Four. You see uh, Patrick Payton on there? Patrick Payton is fourth with um, three, averaging three. Okay. Okay. Wait, wait. There. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's what I was trying to figure out. That's what I was trying to figure out. Absolutely. Yeah. Perfect. Fantastic. So, so versus still got four and a half sacks, which eight games in the year is that's a down year for him. And then you're getting oh, yeah. some, you're getting Deloach, and you're getting Peyton bringing up some production too. But that's yeah, interesting. Peyton, Peyton's got those three. Wow. I mean, yeah, but Jared Verse, if you put him one on one, he's definitely have more than four and a half. He has gotten a lot of attention, yeah. but that's because yeah. the 2022 tape was dominant, man. I mean, he was. You couldn't put him one on one with anybody. Straight up getting yeah. after it, yeah. Yeah, you can. Okay, so you wanted to get into some overrated, underrated guys on the top fifty, um, uh, based nah. on kind of players that we've been hearing about on the top fifty. Not doesn't necessarily have to be off of Dane Brugler's. Can be consensus stuff that you've heard. Starting with overrated, uh, who do you got? All right, so I have a quick question to preface this before we start. Who yeah. is a better? Who and we'll start it with a past first president. Who is a better prospect? Brock Bowers or Kyle Pitts? I just want to know what we'd start there. Totally. Because I have I, I have a theory about Brock Bowers right now. And it's nothing against him as a prospect, player, anything. It's more about I did I I have a feeling NFL teams are gonna struggle to figure out how to use him to the point where we can justify, ooh, a top ten pick. Like of course he was. And I just think because you're gonna the teams are gonna take him. And they're not they're gonna try and use him as a tight end, which is fine. I think if you're asking Brock Bowers to block, first off, he's undersized. Second, I don't want to take a guy in the top ten that I say, I want you to block a lot of this game. I don't ever want to do that. I don't even if you're a tight end, no. Impact I, the passing. I, I, I disagree. No, I know you do. If we're I talking know. about a pure a pure tight end prospect, Pitts is the better prospect. Because he's crazy size, crazy athletic ability, blah blah blah, all the things. But Right. The thing about Bauer, well, the tight end position in general in the league right now is changing drastically. Sam Laporta was not a big guy last year. He's being used perfectly at Detroit. Um. Yeah, I I think you I think he's usage is not going to be a problem. There's a lot of teams that are getting tight ends and they're using him in line, but they're understanding that hey, if we're going to use this guy in line, we have to make sure that we have another guy there that can play that position. And for Detroit, when they took right. Laporta, it was right. Um, and they've used both of those guys really well. Right's more the blocker. He's usually right next to the tackle. And then you, you flex out Laporta in either the slot. You can put him in line. If you're going to run a heavy or you can put him as an H back, they have no problem with that. Um, Jacksonville's doing that. Kansas city's doing that. Philadelphia's doing that. Uh, Minnesota's doing that. I mean, 
everybody's starting to realize, hey, the tight end position doesn't have to be in line anymore. We can do all kinds right. of different things with them. Go to a five-man front. We can run 22 personnel. I mean, even Luke Musgraves is having a great year this year, too, you know, with Josh DeGuara on that team. And who's the other tight end? They drafted another Kraft, Tucker Kraft. Yeah. So, like, I don't think the usage is going to be a problem for him. I don't think usage is going to stop him because everybody's shifting that direction anyways, you know, with using heavy 22 personnel and lining up in like you're an 11 with the 22. So I guess my question though is Brock Bowers is going to go top 10. Probably. Yeah. When you draft a pass catcher top 10, he now you, you, you better make him the focus of your passing game. He better transform your passing game. As a receiver, I think it's it's easier to draft a guy top 10 and he doesn't necessarily produce that well, but that's because he's such a distraction, such a decoy. And teams are now going to roll to him and and cloud him. Like there's just so many ways, and that's fine, but he's a receiver. As a tight end, are the let's say they cannot get back. Like how are they going to justify Bowers if they can't get him to produce the way we would think a top 10 pass catcher is going to produce? I just struggle wondering what team makes him the focal point of their passing passing game. And is that even a smart thing to do? I think he's so dangerous after the catch. There's a lot of things he can do, but now you put on a team with a bunch of receivers, like good quality receivers. Georgia doesn't necessarily have that. They kind of run through him because he's their best player. He's their best pass catcher on Georgia. No, he is. He is, but I wouldn't say that they got bad receivers. I mean, Lad McConkley is probably an underrated guy, right. not top 50. And he came back, uh, and he's, he's a good Rosemary player. Jack Saint's pretty good, too. I think he averages like one catch a game. You're right, though. Yeah, they're not bad. Mm-hmm. But I'm just... I, I, but that's I because they put all the offense through their tight ends. Right. Between this Bowers feeling, though, and Delp. In three, four years, we're going to be like, dang, like Brock Bowers is a great player, great talent, but you know, this team drafted Brock Bowers over Malik Neighbors? Are we kidding me? It, it's going to be like the, the Eric Ebron year where he goes to Detroit, oh, and they could have had Odell Beckham Jr., and we're thinking like, oh, well, this guy's super dynamic. He's speedy. He's plays above the rim. But yeah, he's a tight end. It's really hard to get tight ends involved and make them like the absolute focal point of your passing game unless you're Travis Kelsey and Mahomes. And even then, McKelsey was a third rounder. And it's like he's not this like uber athletic freak tight end. He's just a guy that he's really good buddies with Mahomes and they know what each other are doing at all times. He's super solid. It's just so I don't think Brock Bowers is overrated, but I have I have uh, just a, a hunch that whoever uses them or, or drafts him, like it, it's going to be very difficult. And I think he's I think his first year is going to be difficult. It's going to be tough to see how the team figures out how to get him really involved. Even Kyle Pitts has been granted that's for different reasons. That's because they've had Desmond Ritter at quarterback, and Arthur Smith hates him. I guess hates the most athletic tight tight end of all time. Doesn't want to use him. But it, it, again, tight ends to me in the past, I just I never feel like they are justified getting drafted where they were, and it's not only their fault; it's just the nature of football, you know. Yeah, you might be. You might have a point. I just I think that our usage in the league is changing in general, you know, and and that's what's going to make tight ends even more valuable. And if we're looking at it from a fantasy production standpoint, that's probably not a great place to be looking at it from. We want to be looking at an overall game picture and what he presents and all the options that he presents and the attention that he's going to take being on the field because of what he can do. Because right. we've seen him do it at the SEC. 
is going to be that's what's going to be the key there you know yeah so well, he might I mean, he might not have the production but he's going to open up opportunities for your receivers you know you put him I, on let's I say so. i'm thinking of a top 10 team right now if you look at let's see i'm going to go to my power rankings real quick because i just did so, this today but like immediately being a tight end and, and he's not going to play out wide so he's not going to draw corners right he's not going to draw cornerbacks so teams don't have to waste a top two corner on him hmm. um you're gonna so so let me let me throw this idea at you. What if Denver takes him? You put him on Denver, and now you got Jerry. Well, Jerry Judy, if he's still there, you got Cortland Sutton. You've got these speed guys on the outside. You got some real elite receivers. Now you add Brock Bowers to that. Yeah. And then even at other teams that could be picking in that range, Indianapolis. You got Mike. You got Michael Pittman Jr. You got. Josh Downs in the slot. Now you got this guy, you know, like with the with the running quarterback. Holy cow. Like he'd be dangerous there. And they may very well maybe picking down there. You know, so I don't usage to me is not going to be an issue. If we're talking about fantasy production, maybe he doesn't produce it at a at a high level. You know, with you know, 50, 60, 70 catches a year, he might be a 40, 50 guy. He might even be 30 and 25 his first year. But as we get down further down the line, he's going to open up more opportunities because you're not going to be able to leave him alone. He's going to have that game in his rookie year where he's going to make 10 catches for 150 yards and a touchdown or two, and everybody's going to freak out. Yeah. And then that'll be his game. You know what I'm saying? Like, and then, and, but it, Pittman will open up. The quarterback running game will open up. Running backs out of the backfield will open up. You know, like it's that's the type of player you're getting with him. And I think that justifies taking a guy like him there. Ebron's a different case. You know, that's a whole different case. He was nobody Soft. was doing that at a tight end. Yeah. So and he was he was a lot softer of a player, I'll say, than uh than Bowers. I don't have an issue I don't I don't have an issue with Bowers as a player. I don't think there's anything really that holds me back from saying, Oh, this guy's worth a top ten pick. I just wonder he like said my only concern is it's not even fantasy production, it's more of just don't draft a tight end that dynamic in the top ten and just say, and do you like ordinary tight end stuff? Like, no, get this guy really involved in your passing game get him make him like a focal point of your game plan and make it to where if they don't you know game plan for your receivers this guy's going to tear you up don't just let your team suffer because you know you didn't really get creative with it i think you yeah, really want to make I him i don't think that's i think if you're going to take him top 10 you're already not going to use him as a traditional tight end you know and that's why yeah, i brought up those other teams that'll be picking that'll be picking in that area most likely um, I'm going to give you an overrated guy that we talked about a little bit, even on this show already. Michael Penix. Michael Penix. I think he's overrated. Penix. 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 Yeah, Penix. I keep saying Penix, Penix. And I think it's Desmond Howard messed me up because he got on there going, the big, big Penix yeah, yeah, energy. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, oh, God. Yeah. Um, there we go. Burn the no. brains now. <laughs> I, uh, so what? what is overrated to you? Like, where would you see him slotted that you're like too high? You know what I mean? I think top 50 is too high. Okay. Honestly, the more I've watched him, the more I've started to kind of realize that. And you like, I know that my top five quarterbacks are like, he's at four, but that doesn't mean I'm comfortable taking him in the second, third round. I might wait till the end of the third round. Yeah. Uh, And it's because his ability to work under pressure is terrible. Yeah. It's been, it's been horrendous this year. And because of that, that's the number one to me. And outside of platform, the next one is going to be, can you operate through pressure? 
I think he's got a, he, I think he has some platform issues already and he still manages to throw through them somehow, which is great. Yeah. Um, but when you look at it, when you look at his ability to play through pressure, it's not good. And that's going to come back to hit you. That's, that's not going to make him a starting quarterback in the league. That's going to make him a capable backup at some point, you know, and I, I don't think that Penix, uh, Penix is going to, I don't think he's a top 50 guy. Well, that's why I kind of gave my Kirk Cousins comparison. And I know that sounds kind of wacky at first, but like, all right, they both can make outrageous throws. I mean, realistically, like Kirk Cousins is one of the most gifted throws in the NFL. We see him do some things with his arm. We're like, geez, Louise, man. Like, but then you'll watch him absolutely crap his pants. And all he had to do was pressure, you know, yeah. All he had to do was like step to the side and step up. And you're like, oh, you'd have had a nice, clean platform to throw from right there. But a lot of times under pressure, Kirk is terrible. And it's just you see these guys that are not natural playmakers that don't excel kind of just being athletes in the moment. They kind of need things to go their way. They have There's a certain clock that's going on. And like Things have to hit right at the right moments, and then they can operate. But that's that was what drew me – or that was what lowered me on Penix as well. It's just I think in the Oregon game you saw – there was like a few times where I'm like, he could have made a play there, and he just dirted it, didn't wait for things to develop. Like, yeah. Dude. That happens a lot. You got an arm. You, you're mobile, dude. You got to make something happen there. And luckily, they came out with the dub. But it was, uh, yeah. Who would, can I ask you? Who did you have at your QB three? I know you had May and Knicks. William. Knicks. Oh, and you had Bo Nix. Okay. Yeah. And Bo yeah. Nix is outside of uh, Dane Brugler's top fifty. That, I, yeah, that's, yeah, that's okay. He can be this there. Class, yeah, yeah. No, this class is just crazy, man. Yeah, this class is crazy. Michael Penix. If I know he, that if, you're running short on time, Justin. So. Give me, an under- give me an underrated. Give me an underrated. Let me give you a quick update on my time. Okay, so I got about 15 more minutes, buddy. 15 more minutes. Oh, okay. okay. So- Making time. Okay. So give me an underrated. Underrated. Oh, this is tough. Maybe somebody that's low in the top 50 that should be higher, or maybe somebody that's outside of the top 50. If you, I'll give you mine. I'll give you mine to start off. Okay. Yeah, go for it. I have Kate Stover, tight end, Ohio Ooh. State. Yep. That's that's probably the second best tight end in this class. And we're looking at again, a guy that's smaller. He's he's not your traditional tight end, but he can block. He's got grew up on a farm, literally <laughs> wanted to be paid NIL in tractors. That was one of the best stories of the offseason. <laughs> yes. Like love this guy. Love love the attitude that he has, but he's got a really he's a really hard worker and it's it, you should see it on the field. He switched from defensive end to tight end. Uh, two or three years into college. So at Ohio State, made the move. And then has become one of the, the top playmakers in the country at tight end, honestly, and disputably so. Number one team in the country right now, uh, <laughs> according to college football playoff. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Um, yeah, I just had a show, and I just talked about that and trashed it. Um, but for Cade, I think that, Again, you're looking at at similar usage to Brock Bowers. Maybe not so much on the tight end reverse type stuff and and things like that, but he's a guy that he can block in line. You can put him in the slot, and he's going to be a very productive receiver underneath. He's got the speed and the toughness through contact to go down the field and stretch the seams vertically. Um, The more you watch Stover, the more you realize that he's probably the second best tight end in this class, and he's probably a top – he's definitely a top 50 player. It's just we're not talking about him yet because we, the measurables and stuff aren't there. Like his uh, measurables. Give me a second. I'm going to pull it up. Uh, I mean, he might come in looking a lot like uh, Sam Laporta. Yeah. 
there might be Honestly. a lot of that to his game. And he, so he's six, so he's so easy and polished and just nothing stands out, but nothing makes you think this guy's has any weakness. He's just good. Six four two fifty five uh, is where they got him at right now. Same so, but yeah, no, you talk about a guy he can fit everything that you want him to do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like blocks well. Block, yeah, blocks. You play him in line, play him in the slot. You can do all the different things with him. He's going to leak out there. He sneaks around. He's got a little bit of Kelsey to him where he fills those zones really well and sits down when he's supposed to, moves when he has to. He's smart. He's a hard worker. He's tough. He's gritty. You said you said in the tight end episode, nobody grows up wanting to play tight end. Well, Cade Stover sure looks like he wanted to. He looks like the type of guy who's just happy to play football, man. Like, <laughs> I'm sure he wanted to be defensive end or linebacker or something, but you know, Ohio State's deep, and I, I don't know. I didn't. I haven't looked into his past to see what he used to play in high school or what he was, but he just looks like a dude who likes playing ball. He, there's and just the, no. When you look at the when you look at the there's a couple guys that you might put ahead of him. I think the one guy that's clearly ahead of him right now on the media side is Jatavian Sanders at Texas. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. He's just too athletic. It's hard to drop him when he's such a freak of an yeah, athlete. Yeah, but who's going to be a better pro at the end of the day? I agree. I agree. But as a prospect, you know, we, we know how this goes. We know how this goes. Stover's going to be a better pro. I could I could agree there. So I got two underrated. Um, okay. One is in the top 25. He's probably going to be a first-round guy, but I do think he doesn't get enough chatter. And it's Amika. Ikbuka, the wide receiver from Ohio State, 6'1", yeah. 205 is what he's listed at right now. But I don't uh, – how, how would I say this? I think he's a better pro than Jackson Smith and Jigbo was last year. And I just think it's because he's a little bigger, a little longer, and he probably could survive outside. He probably could even play outside. Like He could play on the boundary as a true receiver and just beat corners straight up where I think Jackson Smith and Jigbo was definitely a guy that were like, you got to put him in the slot to really get the best out of him. Igbuka could be a quality number two on most NFL teams. Um, I think could even, he probably runs in the four fours. He's probably like a four, four, eight guy. And that's fast. Like we forget. I think we're so used to. We've got, oh, we just uh, watched Tommy out of Barway run a four, four, nine, a two eighty. So, you know, like, oof. and that's the thing. Yeah. We, now we see receivers in the four, two, four threes. We see linemen and DNs blazing so now you know receiver wants 448 and we're like eh that's decent that's not decent that's flying um but i think yeah he's gonna be a guy that comes in with good size good speed and just probably won't be an nfl team's number one but he's gonna be a good number two and he's gonna make you know he's gonna be a quarterback safety blank because he can also play in the slot and we've seen that so i'm glad um, i'm really glad you brought him up because coming into the year he was my number four I had okay. obviously Harrison Jr. ahead of him. I had Romo Dunze and I had Xavier Worthy ahead of him coming in. I was very high on Worthy. Still like him a lot. I just I think he's dropped down a lot. But and then Neighbors has worked up. But when you when you get past those first three, Harrison Odunze Neighbors, Buka's really the clear top four, number four to me. Well, I think the other LSU receiver is going to end up up there too. I think Brian. Brian yeah, he Thomas, will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he's six four. He, he's he's more. He's more of an X. You know, we're talking, I'm talking Z's right here, you know, okay. like the traditional Z. Okay. Um, I think Brew McCoy, if he hadn't gotten hurt, he'd be in that conversation as well. I liked Brew. Yeah. Is he done but for the year? Probably stay. Yeah, he's done. It torn ACL. It's gone. Okay. I thought um, I had high, high hopes for him, especially at I USC. Think he's, 
he's got another year of eligibility, so he'll probably come back one more year, show that he's the knee's stable, it's all good, he's okay. he's ready to roll, and then be a top receiver next year. But I hope so. Um, yeah, no, I think I think I'm glad you brought him up because he's not a guy that gets a lot of love because it's not just. I think abuka has been a hurt a little bit this year too. So yeah. they've had to go to Julian Fleming and Fleming stepped up and played really well. They got a, who was also a five star. Like they, they're stacked at receiver every year. Oh yeah. No, no. they got a fresh. No, he's not a freshman. He's a junior. He's a redshirt yeah. sophomore. Jaden yeah. Ballard. That looks really good too. Yeah. Like, you know, Ohio state, like, you know, we, we've kind of forgotten about Abuka, but he's, yeah, they use him on this, the, the speed sweeps and stuff. And he does a great job turning the edge. So he's clearly got speed. Um, that's a good it's, one. It's not a flashy skill set, but it's a def, it's, it's NFL level stuff. It's just he does everything well. He's not Marvin Harrison Jr., but he does everything well. Um, I do have another underrated before you cut in. I, I, I wrote two down. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. James Williams, safety, Miami. Safety, Miami, six five, something, something. Probably not that tall, but yeah, no. You want to talk about a guy that can. He's number one, again. he was the number one recruit coming at uh, second safety or all around secondary player coming out of high school. He yeah, was a five so. star. Yeah, an absolute alien looking athlete, man. Now, I six. So his the measurements that I've got for him is six three and a half to twenty four, which is still Monster. huge back there. I now prefer one thing I'm, five actually. I'd prefer. I don't want too tall of a safety. <laughs> Yeah, now you're talking about linebacker, but he's a guy that I think is going to end up. He's going to start on the back end. He's going to probably play his first contract at strong safety, but they're going to use him a lot coming down into the box, being a run supporter, run defender. And then as he probably gets that second contract, I think he's a, I think he's definitely a two, three contract player. As he gets that second contract, they move him into the box and he really becomes a linebacker like we've seen Mark Barron and other players like that do over the years. Kyle Hamilton, even what he's yeah. become at, at Baltimore. James Williams is going to be a late riser. I don't know why he's not getting big time. Like I, I've seen it, but I don't know why we don't hear him listed or like talked about as a guy who is a top, a top 50 player. I don't get it. Um, his game is a little raw, but I mean, you're talking about a, a dude that, runs like a freaking deer he's listed at six five like you said he's probably gonna begin at six three and cool whatever but i mean clearly the best athlete on the field when he walks on the football field i don't know why he'll be a late riser but he's gonna be he should have been you know listed up there already but he'll, he'll be a dude that we start talking about more and more and more oh yeah i've got especially a- when he tests the combine i think yeah that'll probably solidify things like it does but i have another uh underrated guy another secondary player and it's okay. Malachi Moore from Alabama. Oh. Stepped into the Brian Branch role. Um, he was hurt a lot of last year, maybe all of it, a lot of it. And this year, I mean, he's balling. He's, I think he's probably around the same exact size as Branch. They look the same. They were 14 and 13 at Alabama. So, like, sometimes you get them mixed up. He's a little less physical than Branch was. Yeah. But he's probably a little faster, and he's a little more of, like, a sticky – actual cover nickel branch was more of like a strong safety playing nickel but he could cover this kid's more of like a nickel who you probably don't want to be your strong safety he can cover a little better though but so there's like that little trade-off but i mean instincts and coverage amazing fluidity great i i don't think he has the long speed that you're looking for he's probably a four five five guy 
but a lot like Branch, he's going to go later. He's not going to go in the second round. He's probably going to go in the fourth or fifth unless he does test super well. But, I mean, the tape is really good. It's just the size is underwhelming, um, just like Branch yeah. was. But, yeah. 5116, so almost six foot, 190 pounds. That's what they got him at right now. Uh, actually wasn't hurt last year. So funny story, Malachi was the starter and got beat out in the late play in the late part of the 2021 season by Branch and Branch became the starter. Malachi started one game last year when Branch missed it. I think it was the Arkansas game. He was hurt and Branch started that one. That was his single start last year, but he was a firm part of the rotation on defense uh, at that position last year. And yeah, no, he's a guy that I really liked even last year. And I think I had top 50 if he had come out last year and he didn't even start, you know, yeah. uh, he got beat out by a guy that went early second round. So no, I, I, yeah, I'm glad you brought up more too, because that's another guy, physical guy, not as physical as branch, but he's got some vicious contact. I do think I want to see a little bit more consistency, you know, with him trying to wrap up rather than knock somebody over. Uh, but yeah, sticky capable man coverage guy, uh, smart zone coverage guy. Yeah. There's a lot of versatility. He's a rover. Yeah, he's a rover. Yeah. Absolutely. But yeah, he's going to be good. And he's probably, I would say he's he's top 50. Absolutely. Was he in Brugler's list? No. No. And that's why, and and I've heard from a few people, a few scouts and a few people I talked to that he's not really looked at as a top two round guy. Mm. And I don't really know what that means. (laughs) Like I, I watch him and I'm like, wow, that's a, that's a player I'd love to have in my secondary. I'd love to put him in nickel. But for some reason, and I don't know if it's a lot of bad. I didn't get text back as far as like follow-ups. I don't know if it's because he's kind of been in Saban's doghouse with certain things or he just got beat up. I don't know what it is, but I guess we'll find out, you know, more as this as this draft well, cycle. There's goes. a very, very similar player to him last year, Jartavis Martin at Illinois. Yeah. That nobody talked about until like the last month of the draft. <laughs> yeah. And then all of a sudden he was going second round to to uh, was it Washington he went to? I can't remember. I remember he went second round, and I was shocked because one of he tested did one he of test the guys him? that I know. Uh, yeah, I think he did. I think so. Was, I think so. Yeah, yeah. But one of the guys that I know. Um, if he doesn't like to be named, I'm not going to name him. Um, if he tells me that there's a corner. Or 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 a, core, a secondary player that I need to watch, and he's really good. I just take his word for it because he told me about Damari Mathis. He's like, oh yeah, he's a top hundred guy, and I was looking, going, are you kidding me? Are you sure? I don't know. Jartavis Martin was this guy. I mean, like he picks out these DBs that nobody's heard of, and they end up becoming top hundred players. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so. I don't know. But if more more fits that mold really well. More more will probably be a top fifty guy. I'd be really surprised if he went outside of that after testing and everything. Yeah, I agree. I, I hope he tests well. Um, I have a feeling it'll come in a lot like Branch. Hopefully not in the four sixes, but you know, you never know. It's weird that Alabama gets all these four and five star guys, but then it feels like each year we see kind of like underwhelming testing results from them. You know, and I don't know what they're. I, I don't. I don't even know what I'm trying to get at with that, but it is. I just find it a little odd that each year we kind of see that. And then Penn State goes and sets records each year. It's like, <laughs> what are we doing here? What's going on? But anyway, um, I got to take off soon. But I did have – I had one thing I wanted to ask you about in your opinion mm-hmm. on. 
Uh, and it was because trade deadline was just here. We saw the Bills sign um, Russell Douglas from Green Bay. Uh, they traded whatever for him. A few picks they swapped and then the player. But Razul Douglas was kind of had a weird start to his career in the NFL. And he found his way in Joe Barry's system at uh, – well, it's kind of the Eagles he started to blossom. But then in the zone system that Green Bay runs, he looks you know, he looks great. And he gets turnovers. I mean, he's just – he fits so well. And you're like, okay, this is a zone corner. This is a guy that really excels in zone. And man-to-man, even at West Virginia, back to his college days, not a sticky cover guy. Kind of tighten the hips, but he could plant and drive and hit with the best of them. Okay. Anyway, so then we see Kyer Elam, who's a first round pick from the Bills, comes out of Florida, pure press man corner, real man to man type guy, gets to the Bills. We've, I mean, he's been a healthy and active how many games of his career so far? Gotten beat out by undrafted guys. Like there's a lot going on over there. So I have a, I had this thought and I kind of I wrote some of it down, but. I'm thinking about Kyrie Lim and his lack of the fit with the Bills. We talked about we talk about our hits and misses all the time. Let's say the Bills draft a different corner, right? And that corner is also not great for them. Let's say they leave Kyrie Elam to a different team. Kyrie Elam goes to a press man team. Kyrie Elam balls out. Now the Bills look like idiots. But what if they knew all along, eh, he's just not a fit for us, right? Or what if they don't even so so the thing I'm trying to say is. Bills are going to look like dummies no matter what, whether they draft the player that doesn't fit for them or whether they leave him to go somewhere else and he does ball because he fits. Now they look stupid because they either passed up on the guy or they drafted the misfit. And it just kind of made me realize how much gray area there is to like evaluating players and their fits. And not only that, but the way we evaluate draft picks like in hindsight as like hits or misses, there's just so much more that goes into it as far as why or, or why they weren't successful. You know what I mean? As opposed to he was good or not good. And we see that all the time. It's like, this guy's good. This guy sucks. This guy's OT1. This guy's OT2. Well, isn't there more, you know, like there, there's some blurred lines in there that we need to see through. Like it, it just feels like we can't paint it so black and white. And I don't know what your thoughts are on that or. Well, Jarvis talked about this when he came on, right? Because what were we talking? We were talking about hits. So I went Jalen Hurts. And he said, well, if Jalen Hurts goes to any other team, is he Jalen yeah, Hurts? What is, he? what is he? Yeah. And I couldn't answer it. I was like, hmm. <laughs> That's a really good question, you know, like, but no, that, that is a huge, that is a huge part of it because scheme fit is everything, you know, like you can take if Micah Parsons is a great example of it where he's a pretty darn good middle linebacker. He's a pretty good off ball linebacker, but you put him at defensive end and all of a sudden he is a game wrecker, a game changer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how many teams outside of Dallas, but outside of Brian, uh, that's not right. Quinn, Dan Quinn are going to do that. Dan Quinn, yeah. You know, who like, knows? Who knows? Yeah, yeah. No, there's, there's a, there's a whole lot more to it, and that's like when we talk, sit here and talk about like from a talent, a general talent standpoint, we're not one team. We're thirty. We're each team has a whole different skill set that they're looking for, things that they value more than others, right. and we're looking at it from a broad, painted picture, and that's why our, our rankings kind of come in. Our rankings are not always accurate because we're trying to see, okay, what can this guy, can he do everything? So that's why more balanced guys typically end up at toward the top of consensus boards, right? right. Because it's what they can do. It's every, that's why we're talking about Brock Bowers being a top 10 pick, but is he really a top 10 or a top 10 player? But is he a top 10 pick? Because 
fit, right? Some people don't like tight ends like that. Other teams do. You know, there's going to be a lot of teams I think they're going to be picking there. They're going to need a tight end like him, and they know it. And that's why he's a top 10 guy. But it all goes back to it all goes back to the end of the day. What is the needs of the team? And that's why I don't do mock drafts before the draft order is set. I don't do anything like that because that's it's not helping you paint a picture of who's where. Right. It's just further distorting the chaos that that's already out there and just presenting a, another worthless, useless opinion, you know, into the dogfight. I'm not going to do that to you, you know, because that's I don't feel like that's my job. I don't think it's my job to, to dissuade you, you know, and so put you onto a guy and you love him. And all of a sudden he doesn't go because there's not a great fit, you know, with a need that's there. But no, it's, it is. It's it's very black. and I mean, it's very gray. It's not black and white at all. And in fact, there's so many different shades of gray. It makes it such an imperfect process. Yeah. There was one guy I was talking to this week and, you know, talking about coming up with a plan for, you know, what his, what his uh, player is going to do, you know, in the draft process and how to find the perfect formula, quote unquote. And I was just like, man, there's not a formula, you know? Yeah. If there was, I'd have it for you already. I spend so much time studying this. I'd have it. I'd have it figured out. We'd give it to you right now and it'd be done. There's not a formula and it's, it's an ever changing process. Things are, there's so many different gears that are moving. You can't even put AI onto it to figure it out because it's just, it's not possible. So <laughs> yeah. too much human element to it. It's not. Yeah, exactly. yeah. no, it's, yeah. it's there. There's a whole lot to it. And that's what you got to figure out is as a, you know, this year, my draft coverage is going to be different than it's been ever. And I've been putting in, you know, crazy hours to make it. So because instead of have, I'll have a general big board. it will be just like general talent, but I'll have 32 big boards that won't be as deep and it's one for each team. You know, here's what this team wants. This is what they usually would like. This is the type of player they like. He fits that. Right. He's probably on their board, you know, and, and talking from that standpoint. So there'll be 32 different boards on my draft coverage because there's, that's how it really is. There's 32 different boards. And without that, uh, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, like you're just, <laughs> you're speaking in generalities again, and that's not yeah. what this process is. It's anything but general. Right. Right, and we and I think people forget, or fans don't maybe don't know, teams usually come out with like they'll, they'll you know they'll show you after the draft they had fourteen first round grades on the entire class, yeah, and their entire draft board had fifty three guys for like a certain portion of the draft. Uh, you know what I mean? So it's not like yeah, it's it's usually it's usually about one hundred fifty guys deep, right? I'm just saying and like, that's including that's okay. including undrafted guys that they're going to sign that they want to sign, right. you know? So right, and they'll say we have fifty five guys that fit up until this point that we're going to and then it kind of like i've seen teams that have two different boards it's just it's a lot different than i think people realize they don't just have a list of 500 and they're like these guys are all picked like next one up it's it's there's fits to it they you know some teams will have certain guys off their board that were like well he was a he looked like a first round guy and then he doesn't fit us at all like not even a little bit so we didn't have him on our board that wasn't one of our options that's not who we wanted to take and we prioritized this offensive tackle over this speed defensive end because we wanted Lucas Van Ness and Rashawn Gary over, you know, Dallas Turner types or whatever. Like that's you know we've seen yeah. And how know. many how many times have we heard guys say you know after the draft, you know, like years down the road, oh well, we didn't have let's say Johnny Manziel, he wasn't on our board, we didn't like our interview. Yeah, that's a whole nother aspect of it. You exactly. know, like the will we can't even begin to touch before is how did they interview? Did they? 
they feel like he was going to fit in the locker room? Do they not like the personality? That's a whole, that's a whole other part of the evaluation for them. Yeah, it, it is. It's such, there's so many gray areas. And like, we've talked about this over the weeks it's so fluid that teams just, you know, we do it, teams do it. They take the information as it's given and they kind of adjust as they go. There's no, like you said, there's no formula. There's no, this is the way we do it. Like every other team, it's, 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 it's very human. There's just a trillion different ways to do it each and every day. So, yeah, um, but yeah, that just made me realize like how big fit is. And when I even look back in retrospect of like, Ooh, this team passed on these four guys that could have taken them. Like sometimes, yeah, that makes sense. But sometimes it's like, well, was it really that easy to, to judge? Not really. So, well, it's funny is we always say the, the famous saying is hindsight is twenty twenty, but in all reality, hindsight's really five twenty. See everything crystal clear, more than perfect. What's five twenty? Is what is that? That's like like ten twenty. Is five twenty? That's like even is better, better than perfect. Yeah, it's like oh, it's like yeah. I'm not an optometrist, so it's okay. <laughs> I know because how because I I learned this when I was I found out I have a lazy eye. I have one of my one of my eyes is twenty twenty, and my other seventy twenty. I'm like, well, what's twenty twenty? That's perfect. I said, but yeah. what's why is there like 10, 20, and 5, 20? Well, that's even better. I'm like, okay. You know, it's anyway. hind- hindsight. You can see everything perfectly. And that's the other thing. You know, we, we don't know how these guys t- turn out. We don't know how they grow. We don't know what kind of coaching they're getting, what they're doing, building up into the process. All right. That's why we take it to the field and we have fun. We watch yeah. it. So that should wrap us up. Uh, Thank you for tuning in the sick podcast. I did it again, Justin. I forgot the ad read. Pop it. Yep. I'm so good at that. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) The NFL season is going strong and DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking up new customers with an offer that's even stronger. Bet five bucks on any game this week to score $200 instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweeter offer every game this November. Get in on the great game day greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code SICKSPORTS. That's SICK SPORTS. New customers can score $200 instantly. You know what I, I'm going to do after this? I'm going to record this so we can cut it into the episode so I don't forget it again. Right. We need to We need to do it at like the beginning or something we need we yeah but that's that's the that's where i forget to do it you know it's the beginning and then we roll through it then we get to the end and i'm like oh man i just skipped out on DraftKings. but no DraftKings. it's not that you come last it's just that we're silly and we forget stuff i'm great at forgetting things so get in on get in on the DraftKings madness now but that's going to do it sick podcast draft logo he's justin gamble follow him on twitter at draft at gam scout follow me I'm John Vogel at Draft Vogel. Follow the show at SickPod NFL Draft. Back at it next week. Shane, get us out of here. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Draft Vogel on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.